I think that's really important as a leader that you bring energy behind what you believe in. Wherever I put my energy, multiplies. And when I put my energy into things that I'm passionate about, things in my life tend to become more and more exciting. Life's a 10 every single day because I make it that. And when I think about the motto of life's a 10, it's living life to the fullest every single day, getting the most out of every experience. I genuinely believe that we've been put on this earth to make a difference. Everybody's been put on this earth to make a positive difference. Living life at a level 10 just means that I'm doing my best to be the best version of me so ultimately I can show others what's possible. Chris Gehring is a dynamic source of passion and energy for everyone around him. He is able to drive others with a vision of what could be, the confidence to act on that vision, and the energy to follow through. His vibe is contagious and motivating, and it's no wonder why he is building a strong following in the Washington, Alaska, and Pacific Islands divisions of Cutco Vector. After hearing his stories and lessons, I know you'll be inspired to live your life at a level 10. This is my colleague and friend, Chris Gehring. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Welcome, everybody. You are in for a treat today as I have the dynamic and inspirational Mr. Chris Gehring as my guest. Chris just celebrated 18 years in the Vector business. He started in September of 2003 in Oregon and uh, worked there as a sales rep. He became a district manager in 2007 in Seattle. And Chris had a lot of success there, developed a lot of great people, moved to California in 2013. And he has been in Newport Beach for most of that time, did a great job and has had some excellent district managers that have come out of his lineage. Chris was promoted to take over the Pacific Islands division in 2019. He ran that from Newport Beach. And then a year later in 2020, he was promoted to run the Washington and Alaska division and he moved up to the Seattle area for that. Chris has produced over $26 million in Cutco sales. He's developed 30 managers, branch or district managers. And he is well known for his vision and his energy. These are things we're going to talk a little bit about today. Chris Gehring, I'm so fired up to have you on the podcast, man. 
Hey, Dan. Yeah, me too. It's been an exciting time. I've been, I've been really looking forward to this. So great. I look forward to it. Excellent. Well, take us back to 2003. Tell us a little bit about how you got started selling Cutco. Yeah. So back in 2003, I was working a part-time job and folding clothes actually at this retail store in the mall, uh, specifically actually Abercrombie and Fitch. And I got really good at folding the jean wall and I was making minimum wage at the time. And I was looking for more opportunities. And my buddy at the time referred me to, to Cutco and I came in for an interview. And uh, what stood out to me was the penny demonstration. And then from there, I got accepted for the position. And then in my first 10 days in the job in my fast start, uh, I didn't have the, a breakthrough fast start. I actually produced less than $1,000 in sales in my first 10 days and was doubting myself actually about the position in my first two weeks. Mm. So that's a little bit of how I got started there. Yeah. What, what were some of the challenges that uh, came up for you in those, in the, those early days? When I think back, I think back about questioning if this was the right fit for me. Uh, also questioning the program. And I was just a little bit uncertain about how successful I could be at, at selling knives. Mm -hmm. And I, I looked at the, the position more of a job versus an opportunity. And I looked at it more as selling knives versus something much greater than that, that I eventually was exposed to and eventually understood. Got it. Now, what turned the tide for you and what were some of the uh, experiences that stood out as you became more successful with the job? After my first couple of weeks in the position, I sat down with my original district manager, Jason Skillport. And Jason basically sat me down and believed in me and shared with me what was possible here in the Cutco company and helped me realize that this was beyond selling knives. And in my first couple of weeks, I wasn't on the program. I wasn't following what I was being taught. I wasn't calling in for PDI. I was doing a lot of the things that I was supposed to be doing to be successful, but that obviously was taking away from, from my success. And I almost felt like I can figure this out myself. So after Jason sat me down and, and encouraged me to, to work with him one-on-one -on -one and get on the program, I went 11 weeks in a row over $1,000 and pretty much never looked back after that. I realized the opportunity was way bigger than just selling knives. Mm. And I, I grew tremendously over those, those following weeks after meeting with Jason. And it was extremely eye-opening. I was able to quit my other position and go full-time with Cutco and pretty much never look back. Excellent. It's cool to hear that you're uh, you know, district manager Jason had such a powerful impact on you. And it's just a great reminder of how much we can impact the young people that are coming into our organizations here now and in the future. What do you feel like were some of the key lessons that came out of these early days or early years with the company? Success was up to me, not my circumstances. When I went in to meet with Jason, I had excuse after excuse of what I was going to tell him on, on how this wasn't going to work out and how it wasn't for me. But Jason shared with me that I really hadn't shown my true potential. And he had shared a vision that it was possible for me to be not just good, but great in this business. And I ran with it. And it was extremely eye-opening for me being so new and, and something I've never done before that 
a hundred percent reflection of my results was a hundred percent reflection of my effort and my attitude towards, towards the position and towards life. So I really took that in and I've implemented that throughout my entire life since then, that wherever I put my energy multiplies. Mm -hmm. And when I put my energy into things that I'm passionate about, things in my life tend to become more and more exciting. And I focused on the importance of having a positive attitude and focusing on the things that I can control. Because there's a lot of things that happened to me, even throughout my life and throughout the cut co-opportunity of selling that I couldn't control. But what I could control is how I responded to what had happened to me. Mm -hmm. So instead of focusing on the negative, I looked at the negative as an opportunity and an opportunity to grow, an opportunity to overcome, an opportunity to become greater, an opportunity to have more depth and knowledge about life. Mm. And that inspired me because I wanted to show others that as well, that we have control. We have control. And a big part of that is our attitude. And a big part of that is our effort. And that ties into consistency as well. That's something that I learned young in the business. I had multiple weeks in our over $1,000 when I was a sales rep. And I wasn't always the biggest sales rep week after week, but I was consistent. And that was something I learned young in the business that I still use to this day. And whether I felt like doing something, whether it was making phone calls, whether it was asking for recommendations or dropping down properly, I did it anyway because it was the right thing to do. Mm. Chris, those are some really, really great lessons that you just shared right there. Starting with the idea that our results are a reflection of us, right? Of our attitude, of our effort. That's one of the greatest things I think Vector teaches people because reps are in a position where it's mostly commission-based, they get exposed if they aren't, don't have good work ethic, if they don't have the right attitude, if they, if they don't refine their skills, right? You do poorly and you, you get feedback that you aren't as good as you need to be. And then the flip side is also true when somebody is really good, puts in a lot of effort, gets highly skilled, does well, they earn a lot and they get that positive reflection. And so I think that we really have the opportunity in Vector to learn a lot about the control that we have and the ability we have to create the kind of life that we want through our own mentality, through our own effort, and through our own skill development. That was a really powerful concept that you shared right there. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. And I have so much gratitude for for the opportunity. And I mean, it genuinely changed my life. It changed my whole trajectory of my life when I was 18 years old. And I'm just super appreciative. And a huge part of that had to do with the people I was surrounding myself with. Right. Surrounding myself with my original district manager, Jason, who was inspiring and motivated. I remember looking at Jason and being like, I don't know how this guy does it. He was always on. I'm like, I could never do what Jason does. Mm. And then one day I was doing what Jason was doing <laughs> and, and, and so forth. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I feel like Chris, you are, your mental fortitude is among some of the highest of anybody that I've ever met. Your ability to take on the day-to-day challenges that come up, 
your ability to remain consistent, as you said, uh, to be strong. There's so many great things in there that are a part of your skill set. And it's interesting just to hear that uh, the seeds of these grew during those early years as you were selling Cutco and that you didn't necessarily have these all when you came into the business, but that you've developed them over time. And I know that anybody else can develop them. And I know that you work hard to help impart these things upon the people who you work with now. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for that, Dan. I appreciate that. And I take that as a compliment and I appreciate that. Yeah. What made you decide to be a district manager in uh, 2007? My original district manager just giving me the opportunity to work with Cutco and believing in me and not giving up on me and sharing that anything was possible for me in this opportunity really gave me a lot of confidence. And it just changed my whole perspective on life. And I'm super grateful for that. And I just, I saw what my original division manager did for me as well, Isaac Tolpin. He made a profound impact on my life. He made, as far as my professional life, Isaac Tolpin made more of a profound impact on my life than, than my family. Like my parents were amazing and super supportive, but Isaac really took me under his wing and showed me how to be a great person and just how to be a great leader. And he allowed me to, to be myself and guide me along the way. And I'm just super grateful for that. And I wanted to be able to give that same opportunity back to everybody that came through my door. And since day one of being a district manager until I became a division manager, which has been a whole other level of experience and, and growth and so much gratitude, but just being able to make that profound impact on people. Whether yeah. it was like just the interview process, being able to let people like leave positive, knowing that they were capable of being great. Yeah. Anything that they do. Did you work with Isaac as a division office manager for a little while during that time? Yeah. So I became an assistant manager with Isaac. So what, what actually happened is Jason got promoted to EDVM up in Washington. So I started in Beaverton, Oregon, and then Jason got promoted to, to South King County, which is south of Seattle, and he got promoted ADVM. So he was transitioning to that potential DVM role. And Isaac, at that point, was running Portland, took over the Beaverton office and all the reps that were within the Beaverton organization. And Isaac started doing PDI with me and started doing coaching. And I had the opportunity to meet Isaac. And I just remember seeing Isaac... Uh, for the first time at a team event. And he was professionally dressed and he was just had this confidence about him and just this way with people that I admired. And I remember looking at him being like, man, this guy's solid. You know what I mean? Like, I want to be like him one day. I want to be able to make that kind of impact. I want to be able to speak like Isaac speaks because when he speaks, the words that he says resonates. And it creates this ripple effect. So I worked with him as a division office manager. So I got weekly communication with Isaac. Isaac allowed me to work very independently. And I really appreciate that because he put me in a position to have to grow constantly. Mm -hmm. And he didn't baby me along. He showed me the way. He believed in me. And along the way, I would make mistakes. And I would learn from those mistakes. And if I really felt like I needed 
his guidance or leadership, I would then ask the question. But this is after a lot of depth and thinking about how to overcome whatever that adversity was. So I'm super grateful for that because it taught me a lot about strength and discipline and accountability. And I would always look forward to those weekly meetings that we'd have at the local coffee shop back in Portland at the time. So super grateful for those experiences. And but yeah, working with Isaac for as his division office manager for a year. But I also worked with Isaac as his sales manager and his assistant manager. So I saw a lot of uh, incredible things working with Isaac. So Yeah. And so you guys, I know the North Pacific division had such an extensive group of amazing leaders. And Jason went up to sort of be the ADVM to handle a lot of Washington was Jeremy Bell the ADVM of the Oregon side of the division during this time? So not at that time, actually. So kind of take a step back. When I, after working with Isaac and being on my consistent sales string, which allowed me to advance into assistant management. But as an 18-year-old at the time, I really felt like I could barely manage myself, let alone be able to manage others. So, but then again, there came the belief Isaac said, this could be you. You have the potential. I believe in you. I mean, obviously, it was more to it than that. But those are some major things that stood out to me. And I got invited to a leadership event. And I remember at the time, borrowing a suit jacket from my dad. I didn't have a lot of the professional attire at the time. And showing up, uncertain about what I was going to gain from this experience. And then Isaac started introducing all the district managers. And Isaac at the time introduced Jeremy Bell. And I remember looking at Jeremy and Isaac had shared, Jeremy just turned 21 years old, just purchased his first property. And Jeremy was dressed sharp. And he just, he was uh, somebody I looked at and said, man, I want to be like this guy. Mm -hmm. He was confident, just positive. Just everything in his life seemed to be going right. And awesome. so whether it was or not, he at least had the, the presence and the confidence and the leadership skills to show others, hey, this is, this is what's possible if you do the right things here. So yeah. that really changed my, my mindset too. Like I was thinking, you know, I'm going to be a sales rep. I don't know what my next move is. And then once I met Jeremy, once I heard Isaac speak about leadership, that's when I said, I want to be a district manager. I want to be like Jeremy. And one day I want to be like Isaac Tolpin. I want to be a division manager. Excellent. So So many great examples of leadership that were a part of that organization. And you went up to Seattle, you became a district manager in Seattle. You had a nice run up there. And the NORPAC division went on to become truly the greatest division team in the history of Cutco. One, was it four? consecutive national championships. What lessons stand out from being a part of the NORPAC team in terms of creating a division culture or things that you're trying to implement now? Oh, there's so many things. But one thing that really stands out to me that Isaac did really well is that Isaac led through everybody. He never made you feel like he was the boss. He always made you feel like you were a part of the decisions that were being made within the division. And I think what that did is it gave people a a sense of ownership 
a feeling of like, this is my division too. And my actions and my decisions are going to reflect the outcome of how the division finishes for that year and where the division is going to be in two years, three years, five years. And when one day as a district manager, when you become a division manager, you can, this is the vision that Isaac would create is that it was possible for anybody to advance. Anybody had the opportunity to be great. And he Mm. believed in everybody. He believed in everybody. And that's one thing I learned from Isaac is that everybody has their own story and there's no reason to judge anybody and be open-minded to everybody that comes in your organization and believe in everybody. And that's what Isaac did for everybody that came to the organization. And I mean, he made a profound impact on so many people's lives that he may have only came in contact with once, or maybe even just heard him speak at an event, but never actually met them mm-hmm. just because his belief in people. And I think that's why the division grew to be so big. Why Isaac had two ADVMs. We had the NORPAC division still has the all-time greatest sales year as a division in company history. And obviously the prices back then were significantly lower. Um, <laughs> But he was just a, a profound servant leader that uh, gave people an opportunity to advance and, yeah. and believed in them. He was really good at working with like his ADVMs as well and leading through his ADVMs. And that's one of the major reasons why Jeremy got promoted to DVM. Was yeah. the fact that Isaac gave him the opportunity to pretty much be a DVM without the title. Right. And that's why Jeremy went on to became one of the greatest developers of people. Yeah. It sounds like Isaac really created a feeling of empowerment throughout his organization that people rose to the challenge or rose to the opportunity that was put in front of them. Creating that sense of ownership in the team, I think is a big big thing that you shared right there. And then just the idea of believing in, in everybody. Again, Chris, this is something I see as a strength of yours that you've obviously picked up from Isaac is that you don't need to see somebody, quote, prove themselves in sales, let's say, in order for you to see their potential. Like you see the potential in people when it's very raw early in the game and you help them see it. And that has helped make you prolific at development as well. So it just seems like there's a lot of great lessons that came out of those days in Norpac that you picked up from Isaac and Jeremy and Jason and the many other amazing leaders that were up there. Yeah. Actually, one thing I forgot to mention is Isaac was really great at creating competition. I think back to the the Norpac days as the district manager in Seattle competing with John Bedford and Bellevue and uh, Peter Boog in Tacoma. It was just the rivalry, the competition. At the time, we were all just like pretty much best friends in the business and outside the business. We spent a lot of time together. and But there was so much raw camaraderie and when it came to push periods and different competitions that during a 14-day push period, I can remember specifically calling John Bedford after our first week during SC1. And our goal for that week was $75,000 in new business sales. And we ended up doing 94,000. And I called John. I said, Hey, would you finish out for the week? And he's like around 75. And he's like, and I, he said, what would you finish out? And I said around 94. And he said, uh, excuse my language, but he said, he said, fuck you hung up on me. 
uh, and I called him back and I called him back and I called him back and, and he just kept sending me to voicemail, sending me to voicemail, sending me to voicemail. And he didn't talk to me the rest of the Bush period. <laughs> he just put his head down and went to work. Huh? He went to work. And, uh, pretty much what he was saying is I'll see you on stage. <laughs> and That's right. I'll never, I'll never forget that push period. It's probably one of the, the hardest times of my career that I worked in my, in my office. I don't feel like I saw sunlight for two weeks. <laughs> you know, I think I dropped like 10 pounds just because I was so excited about what was possible for that push and many other push periods too. But that was just a, a very, very fun time. And going into the conference and our teams were just hungry to see who was going to finish number one. And top three were within like galley set sales apart. So it was pretty profound uh, to see the outcome and, and just those, those two weeks and just the competitiveness of the division. Everybody wanted to win. That's something that definitely stood out to me as well as everybody wanted to win, whether that was sales or whether that was just in life. And then again, I think that's something that Isaac instilled in people, instilled that you're a winner and you're capable of doing anything you put your mind to. Wow. So. Powerful, powerful. Really, really great stuff, Chris. So as we fast forward in your career, I know Isaac left the business and uh, there was a change of leadership up there and you had an opportunity to go to Southern California and you, I know, have always enjoyed Southern California and so had a chance to get down there. Uh, you relocated down to Southern California and you have had a great run for a number of years. You had a great run for a number of years there in Southern California. You promoted a lot of great managers, very notably people like Anthony Hayes, Patty Cruz. I think they both came out of your original office in Southern California, Jeremy Farr, a little bit later on, and, and a number of others. You have promoted 30 branch and district managers over the course of your career. And so your skill in promoting managers is not just about getting people to sell a lot and emerge as a candidate through their performance, but your skill is in painting a vision for people very early on so they become interested in producing more and advancing. You're very good at this sort of vision casting. Mm -hmm. Talk to me a little bit about how you do that with your people. Yeah, I mean, thanks for that, Dan. I do take that wholeheartedly. And one of my favorite quotes is, don't look at the organization as it is, but look at it as it can become. So don't look at the organization as it is, but as it can become. And I take that quote and I put that into my organization when I look at people. Don't look at that individual as they are, but look at them as they can become. And I visualize who they can be and what is possible for them. And I think that for most people, I believe in them more than they believe in themselves. Mm -hmm. If they lack confidence, then I believe that they can be confident. If they lack communication skills, I believe they can improve their communication skills and develop a higher level of confidence in communicating. And I think that when it comes to painting a picture, I always think about what it was like when I was a rep and all the experiences that I went through as a rep and all the adversities and that I overcame and the successes that I achieved as well and brought into my career. 
and I, I do my best to help the rep recognize every step along the way and recognize who they've become along the way, who they were when they started, who I've seen them develop to be up until that point. And I point out things that I've recognized, such as, hey, I've noticed you become more confident in how you approach people. I, I notice you become a better communicator. I've noticed that your energy is much greater. I know that your attitude is a lot more positive. I've recognized a significant amount of growth in you. Have you noticed these things as well? Mm-hmm. And then others, and then who I'm speaking with will share all the different experiences that they've had through the company and how much they've grown up until that point. And I say, how does that make you feel? And for many, they say the feeling is undescribable, amazing, incredible. How would you feel if you could do that for others? How would you feel if you could make that impact on others' lives? Mm. To literally change someone's life because of your influence, because of what you've experienced through the opportunity, to be able to give back and show others what's possible. Imagine being able to do that. Imagine being able to create that kind of impact where somebody because of your influence, is impacted not just today, this week, but for the rest of their life. And that's what's possible in this opportunity, is being able to create that impact, where when you speak, your influence creates a ripple effect in somebody's life. Where a year, five, 10, 20 years from now, they still remember that impact. And because of the impact you made is the reason they became successful, or the reason they had the courage to finish college or had the courage to start their own private practice or had the courage to ask that guy or girl out on a date or whatever it may be. And when I think about a vision, I'm helping people visualize what is possible for them. So I see how far they've come in that period of time. And I said, this is just the beginning for you though. It's all situational. It depends on when that conversation is taking place. But if it's two weeks into the business, this is just the beginning. Who you are today is not who you're going to be in a month. Who you are in a month is not who you're going to be in a year. And who you are in a year is not going to be who you're going to be in five years. Right. And I help people understand that they're capable of doing things they didn't even know were possible. And my belief and my support is there 100% to help them accomplish whatever it is they're set out to do. Mm, I love it. I mean, if I was a young vector rep coming up in the business and I had a leader that was uh, imparting that type of belief on me, I would be so inspired. I'd be fired up about uh, taking that step. And of course, you know, I was lucky to have had that similar kind of influence from my original division manager that helped me get to where I am. So I just, I love how you take the idea of how people have grown and then you spin that around on how would you feel to be able to do that for others? That's a powerful tool in being able to get somebody interested in being a manager. I also love how you talked about pointing out what you recognize in people. I think that's a great confidence builder. Are there other ways or strategies you feel you have for helping people build confidence? When it comes to confidence, I think it's important that people understand that confidence is not just something that 
you wake up with the next day. It's something that it's a process. So what I try to, what do I do my best to help people understand is that confidence comes from experience. Confidence comes from repetition. Progress is what creates confidence. It's just making sure that you're focusing on doing better day after day and helping people understand that perfection doesn't exist. Because I think one of people's biggest insecurities is that they they have a tendency to look at someone else that's more confident and go, I can't be like that person. Or they tend to look at somebody that is really good in whatever industry that they're in and go, well, they're just better than me. And I don't think I'm capable of that. They are only better because they've invested more time into it. And it's not that it's necessarily easier for them. They're just better at it. So helping people understand that where they're at right now is just temporary. What you're feeling right now is not how you're going to feel after your 10th interview. Actually, I was just having this conversation last night with one of our TLA members. Her name's Chloe, and she's out of the, the Kent office out of Kent, who's who, uh, or Jesse Oyama runs Kent and is doing a phenomenal job. And she's just an incredible leader. And she's made a massive impact on so many amazing people uh, in, in Kent. But I think about having that conversation with Chloe and talking to her about leadership. And I said, I, I asked Chloe, I said, Hey, what are your thoughts on preparing the branch for 2022? And the first reaction was like, I don't know if I'd be ready for that. And I said, well, you may not feel ready now, but how do you think you'll feel in April? Well, I don't know how I'll feel. Well, and I, and I tied it into, you know, one thing she really enjoys and, and uh, she actually really enjoys sewing. And I don't know too much about sewing, but she started talking about how uh, that's a huge passion for her. And, and I said, well, how did you feel when you first started to sew? And she said, well, not very confident. Well, how do you feel now? She says, extremely confident. I can pretty much sew an entire quilt and I'm really fast at it. And I said, well, that's the same thing here. Right now, you may not feel capable, but by April of 2022, you may be just as confident as you are at sewing that quilt. And she goes, okay, that makes sense. And you haven't ran your first interview yet, but that day will come and you're going to feel nervous. You're probably not going to feel capable like the same way I felt. But after you knock out that first interview, you're going to be like, wow, that's a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. Just like your first demo, you probably didn't feel capable of doing your first demo and then you did your first demo and now you've done 40 plus demos. And how do you feel now? Well, a lot more confident with the demo. Exactly. So it's just a process and confidence comes from experience. So once you get your first interview under your belt, by your 10th interview, you're going to feel a lot more confident. So where you are today is not where you're going to be in a month, six months by you know April of 2022. So anything's possible. So by you preparing, what that does is it gives you more doors of opportunity. Because by you preparing, you're going to sell more, you're going to make more, you're going to get more experience, you're going to learn more about public speaking, you're going to learn interviews, trainings. So you'll be better off in our business which is transferable to pretty much all walks of life. And if 
branch in 2022 isn't the path, you'll be a better assistant manager for Jesse because you prepared to branch. You'll know more and you'll hold yourself to higher standards. If that happens to not be the path, you'll be a better sales rep. You'll be a better fair and show rep or potential CGC. Whatever opportunities, whatever opportunity you choose for the year or the summer of 2022, you'll be better off by preparing. Yep. I love it. You'll have more doors of opportunity. So that's how I build confidence is helping people understand that it's a process and perfection doesn't exist. It's all about progress. One step at a time, things don't get easier. You get better. And through that process, you will build confidence naturally. And sometimes you may not even recognize it, which is why it's important to reflect. It's important to reflect in a month from now and and look back to this conversation and see how far you have come. Mm. It's really important to reflect because then you reflect back and you go, wow, a month ago, I didn't even think I was capable of doing X, Y, and Z, but I did X, Y, and Z, and I've done it many times over the past month, and I'm a lot more confident because of that. So it's important to recognize your confidence. And then as a leader, recognizing your people becoming more confident through the process. Such great stuff, Chris. I love how you tie in other skills that people have because everybody's good at different things. And to be able to relate that to that process that it took to get good at whatever else it is that they are really good at. Um, I think just everybody has a natural tendency to distance themselves from successful people at anything. And it's, uh, it almost doesn't make sense to me because we all started out as not good at something and we gradually got better and better and better. And that's how it works in selling Cutco. It's how it works in being a manager, being a leader, being a speaker, anything that people want to be great at. It's a process and you really explain that well. And I think that was super valuable. You're also known, Chris, for energy, right? You're known as a high energy guy. What role do you feel energy plays in your ability to inspire people? One of my favorite quotes is, do it with passion or not at all. And if I don't believe in it, then I don't bring energy behind it. I have to believe in what I'm doing. And I think that's really important as a leader that you bring energy behind what you believe in. And when you bring energy behind what you believe in, that energy transfers into others, which Mm -hmm. brings others up and gives them more energy to take action on whatever it is that they're working on. And when it comes to energy, I think it's extremely important. And it's important to bring a ton of energy, but also with a positive attitude and just having gratitude for everything that's in your life. And I think that's where I find a lot of my energy. A lot of my energy comes from just having gratitude. Just having gratitude for the fact that I'm alive, having gratitude for the fact that I'm able to have a platform to make an influence, to make an impact, to just have gratitude to be able to show others what is possible in this life. And that is my duty. I believe that genuinely is to bring my energy to others to help them become a better version of who they are. And Mm -hmm. then ultimately, instill confidence in them to bring energy to others as well. Ultimately, where it creates a ripple 
where if I speak to one of my district managers and I bring a high level of energy and passion behind what I'm sharing, that instills confidence in them to bring that into their people. And that could be them speaking to their assistant managers who are now speaking with their reps, or that could be them running a training class. And then that confidence and energy is instilled into the reps, which is instilled into the presentation, which translates to the customer, which is why the customer buys. Mm. And ultimately where it creates that ripple. But that is my duty is to bring a high level of positive energy, ultimately to make the biggest impact that I can. Yeah. And then again, just doing it with passion and believing in the process and believing in what we're doing here. Yeah. There's an oft-cited quote, which is, people will forget what you say, people will forget what you do, but they'll always remember how you make them feel. And one of the things I've noticed is that like, there's, it's hard not to feel more enthusiastic after talking to you. It's hard not to be more inspired after watching you speak. And there's something about that energy that gets brought that completely and totally transfers to others, as you said. And it's a very powerful part of the arsenal of tools that you leverage strongly that I think people can learn to leverage. And it's not just about being enthusiastic or loud, right? But there's a belief in what you're doing and a passion for what you're doing that comes out. And I love that you tied that into gratitude, Chris, because you know your signature motto is life's a 10, right? Yeah. Why is life a 10 for Chris Gehring? Life's a 10 every single day because I, I make it that. And when I think about the motto of life's a 10, it's living life to the fullest every single day, getting the most out of every experience. And like I said earlier, I genuinely believe that we've been put on this earth to make a difference. Everybody's been put on this earth to make a positive difference. And my responsibility as a leader is to ultimately make the biggest impact that I can. And that's one thing I've really been working, working hard on and making sure that when I see somebody walk by, I say hi or I wave and trying to do my best to create connections. Obviously, there's a lot going on in the world right now. And I want to be able to make the biggest impact that I can. And by living life at a level 10 just means that I'm doing my best to be the best version of me. So ultimately, I can show others what's possible. And whether that's in fitness or health, specifically fitness, like when I'm at the gym, walking around saying hi to people, I'll see new faces at the gym and I'll say, hey, great job. I'll encourage them and even go around and just throw a little high five or a fist pump to ultimately give people confidence and to keep moving forward. Because at the end of the day, whatever is happening in your life is temporary. And the only thing permanent is change. You just have to be willing to grow, have to be willing to change, have to be willing to take it upon yourself. And sometimes we all need that extra encouragement to make that next step. So when I think about living life at a level 10, as taking what my mentors have taught me is keep moving forward, keep focusing on the things that you can control, stay positive, give energy. If there's a challenge in your life, I would look at it in a different way. I'd look at it as an opportunity, an opportunity to grow, an opportunity to develop yourself, an opportunity to create more depth, an opportunity to build more strength. And ultimately, when it comes to living life at a level 10, is 
just having 100% control at all times of, of your attitude, because that's really the only thing that you have control over is your attitude, mm. your, your mindset. So I'm going to encourage that with everybody I connect with. But yeah, I mean, ultimately, I want to be able to, when I see somebody, I want to brighten their day. I want their day to be better because of the smile or the energy that I bring. And whether I'm having an opportunity day or not, it's not about me. And when I put that emphasis on others, then I found that my days tend to get better and my weeks tend to get better when I put my focus on helping others have a better day or a better week. And that encourages me to live my life to the fullest every single day. Pure gold, man. Pure gold. Just uh, really great insights, Chris. This has been awesome. To wrap this up, Chris, uh, take a look into the future, five, 10 years down the road. What's the vision for Washington, Alaska, Hawaii for you in terms of what you want to see happen and how you want to continue to change people's lives through what you do? As I visualize and I think about the future, I think about just keep working on myself. I just keep working on myself to better myself, to ultimately be able to be somebody that can make a bigger influence, a greater influence for even a larger platform, whatever that may be. I want to be able to inspire as many people in this world as possible, no matter where I'm at in the world, wherever that is, whether I'm visiting another country, I want to be able to inspire whoever it is in that country, whoever I come in contact with. And as I've grown over the years, I've learned that when I leave a conversation, I want people to feel better. I want people to feel better about our interaction, our relationship, and ultimately better about themselves. And I was just in Hawaii last week, and I met this young gentleman who's, who's been homeless for a while. And we sat, we chatted for a little bit, and he said that he's been swimming upstream and He's been dealing with a lot of adversity. And I said, hey, man, things are going to get better. Focus on what you can control, which is your attitude. And I'm going to encourage you to do your best today. Get the most out of today. When you wake up tomorrow, get the most out of tomorrow. Mm. And it's kind of crazy. I ended up running into him the next day. And he goes, Chris, you remember my name, which I thought was pretty positive. And, and he goes, hey, man, thanks for that, that, uh, that insight yesterday. I'm making some changes. And that's what I see for the years to come is where that energy, the passion for life and opportunity that we have on this earth, I'm able to expose that to as many people as possible, make the biggest impact. And I want to do that all throughout the state of Washington and my division in Washington, Alaska. I want to create the best relationships, the strongest relationships in Washington and Alaska. We've seen significant progress. I'm super proud of our leaders. In Washington, Alaska, we made some significant progress in Hawaii as well. And I'm just, I'm really excited to see the culture that we're creating. And I can't even imagine where we're going to be in the years to come. Just so positive to see people growing, people making better decisions, people making the tougher decisions, which is the better decision most of the time to help benefit whatever it is that they're working towards and the relationships that they have. And I see that growth happening in our region too. The relationships that we're creating, it's incredible. And uh, we have some, some really big, exciting things ahead of us in our division in Washington, Alaska, and then obviously PID, and then also within our region. Yep. There's this incredible leadership in place. So, yep. Well, hey, man, I'm grateful to have you along for the ride on the region team. 
I've always enjoyed working with you as we've discussed numerous times. You give me more energy and inspiration. I'm fired up to go bring my best to the rest of today and bring my best tomorrow. And I know you've given a lot of value to our audience here today. So thanks so much for being part of the podcast. Hey, thanks so much, Dan. I really appreciate it. All right. Well, if you do not have more inspiration right now than you had about 45 minutes ago, then you may not have a pulse. This was definitely one of those episodes that I would highly recommend that you listen to again, because there's a lot of value that was embedded in here that repetition will help you to really internalize. The lesson Chris learned early in his Cutco selling days that life is a reflection of his own attitude and his own effort, his own skill level. Such a valuable and important lesson to take to heart and apply in your own life. Uh, loved hearing the insights about Isaac Tolpin. Isaac, definitely one of the greatest leaders the Cutco Vector organization has ever seen. If you want to hear more from Isaac, he was featured in episode number 46. If you want to hear a short snippet, we have a flashback Friday with Isaac, which was episode number 198. Check those out. Chris talked about vision and helping people have a vision. He talked about confidence and building confidence and then energy, bringing energy to the people around you. Signature concepts that have helped Chris to succeed. I love where he talked about pointing out what you recognize in people, pointing out the growth you see, pointing out the progress that you see, and also helping people take time to reflect to look back and see how they've grown. And I think that's a great thing any of us could do right now. Reflect on your last one month, reflect on your last one year and how you have grown and how you have evolved. And then you can extrapolate that into what you can become a month from now, a year from now, five years from now. A couple words that also stood out from this conversation were gratitude and contribution, right? Chris lives life to the fullest because he's grateful for every experience. And also he talked about the value of investing into other people. Even at times where you don't feel good, maybe you're not having the greatest day, contributing to other people, doing something for other people is a great way to make yourself feel better and feel more inspired. Chris said life's a 10 for him because he makes it that. Live every day to your best. Bring your best today. Bring your best tomorrow. Bring your best every day. And you can be an inspiration for many other people as well. Hope you got a lot out of this one. I enjoyed this conversation. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you got value from today's episode, please share it with others and consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player. Subscribing to the podcast is free and ensures that future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. For access to guest bios, show notes, and other resources, visit changinglivespodcast.com. You can sign up there to receive valuable resources for free from people featured on the podcast. And to support our podcast sponsors, visit changinglivespodcast.com slash deals. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives.